Yo, 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 everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Coach's Box. I'm your host at Coach JP3, and we have Coach Natty T and the real Coach K in the house. So we're here to bring you, we got a little bit of NFL talk, we got a lot of NBA, and then some sports in general topics. And so we try to cover a little, all of our bases here on The Coach's Box, but we're going to start with the latest in the NFL, and that's the Carson Wentz. I, you know, as much as you think about what Philadelphia was going to do, they actually pulled the trigger. They actually pulled the trigger. That they made a definitive decision. Imagine that. Carson Wentz now a Colt. So, Coach Natty T, what do you think about this move? What do you think about it from the perspective of Philadelphia? What do you think about it from the perspective of, of Indianapolis? Well, I mean, obviously we'll have to see, you know, kind of how things play out. Uh, but, you know, once they actually get on the field, you know, when the season starts. But, I mean, honestly, from Philly's perspective, I think you had to make the move. I mean, with everything that has happened since they won the Super Bowl, it, from at least – I don't want to say the treatment of Carson Wentz because I don't think they necessarily treated him bad, mm-hmm. but just everything that has transpired since the Eagles have won the Super Bowl, like you just had to start over, man. Because he he, and even from his perspective, he's like, why why am I coming back here? Because mm-hmm. you clearly don't really believe in me. This locker room is split on me. Like I just need a new place, a new you know new scenery. So I think it works for for both sides in that regard. Yes. Um, for the Colts, obviously Frank Wright, you know, was his coach for his first couple of years in the league. So, you know, hopefully he can kind of resurrect his or not resurrect, but at least get him back to where he was, you know, those first couple of years <clears throat> up until he got injured the first time. <clears throat> excuse me, in in 2017. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I mean, I, I like the move. I think you got a guy with a, you know, with a big, strong arm, you know, somewhat mobile. Hopefully they can kind of, I don't want to say dumb things down, but simplify things for him a little bit because <laughs> they have more weapons. Because right. I think in Philly over the past few years, his talent is there. You can clearly see it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he did, he wasn't able to do simple things well, like just simple things where like, all right, let me just check it down to this guy. Or, you know, let me just take the simple pass, not try to thread it through mm-hmm. this, you know, tight coverage, you know. So I feel like they have the weapons, they have the running game, they have the offensive line that can kind of help simplify things for him. And then also, <laughs> you guys are going to laugh. I mean, it's Indianapolis, like from a <laughs> fan market perspective, right? I mean, listen, yeah. Indianapolis is it's a typical – American Midwestern city, you know, yeah. it's mostly there, I'd say that there isn't some diversity there. I mean, there's black folks there and there's other people of color there, but it's mostly white. You're in Indiana. Like it's, it's a mostly white city and, you know, him being from, you know, South Dakota, redhead, white guy from South Dakota, rugged, you know, kind of guy. Like, I think he'll kind of fit that, that, uh, that marketing mode that they would try to do with the Colts. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a good marriage for, for both. Uh, obviously Philly, it seemed, obviously they're in a rebuilding mode. You, you just hired a coach that can't seem to talk, you know, <laughs> yep. adequately 
in a press conference. <laughs> Bro, that was hard to watch. It was hilariously hard to watch. Really I, felt, I kind of felt bad for him because you can tell he was nervous. So he was just kind of like fumbling through it. But but um, Eric Bianami does bad interviews, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I was like, this guy can't even talk at a press conference. Right, right, right. I guess. I you know, but um, but yes, I mean, we'll and then obviously they're saying they're gonna still bring in another quarterback to compete with Jalen Hurt. So we'll see how that goes. But I just think there's just no way you could bring Carson back to that situation and it wasn't going to end up bad. So I, right. I think you just had to make the move. All right. Coach K, what are your thoughts about the Wentz trade? Um, I think I heard somewhere that Carson Wentz was probably on pace to get the most sacks in an NFL season. And considering <laughs> considering he had got pulled from um, basically the rest of the season, so so we can see what Jalen could do. I think um, I think it just goes goes to show like there's really nothing in Philadelphia. Um, they're I mean they're definitely in rebuilding mode. Um, I think this deal. I think I try to think like of what. Philly could get for Carson, but at the end of the day, it almost seems like it's kind of like a, like a off. They just kind of like offloaded them, and I think that's I think, exactly what they did. Yeah, and it's it's more of like a a perfect scenario for uh, Carson because he's going back to Frank Wright. Uh, kind of how Coach Natty T has said. I mean, the running game is there. The offensive line is there. I mean, and, and it, probably like what a top top five maybe top five defense yeah the defense is good yeah defense is good um obviously you had offensive weapons there Mm -hmm. so i think i think it's kind of like a perfect scenario uh for like you know carson Wentz. i mean if he has anything left uh frank rice gonna be you know be able to get that out of him and philly kind of i don't know what 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 other teams would kind of like be in the market for Carson anyway so it's it's almost kind of like a get what you can type of thing and you know um I think that my I think my biggest question is what Carson wants are you going to get so um and I mean just mentally you know just <laughs> I don't know, just after the season but um mm-hmm. I think I think I think setting you know going back with Frank Wright they had that 11 and 2 season I think I think he's in the right spot yeah I I agree that it wasn't beneficial to hang on to Carson Wentz I mean I think the damage already been done and so it was best to for him to get some new scenery and if you're Indianapolis what other moves do you have to make at the quarterback position? You obviously need to get younger at the quarterback position and obviously need someone because if you're, if you're the Colts, you, you are good enough that you can't just throw anyone in there because then you're going to be wasting everyone's time because they're not, they're not in a rebuilding stage. Like they have a, a solid core uh, as you outlined uh, coach K with the D with the defense and the weapons and the stuff like that. So and hey, if I could rebuild a little bit of confidence, give a guy a fresh start somewhere with someone I'm familiar working with already, why not? 
Why not? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I see the Colts uh, at least getting to the playoffs, possibly winning the division, uh, because I, I think the Titans are really their only competition there. You have Urban Meyer in his first year uh, with a new quarterback. You have the, the bonfire that is the Houston Texans. Uh, so that really just leaves you with the Titans and Colts in that division. So I can see, I think, I, I think the Colts might win the division next year because of that. Uh, barely, but I think they'll win. Uh, for Philadelphia, uh, what was interesting about this is that, you know, Carson, Carson Wentz didn't talk to Doug Peterson for about eight to 10 weeks. Yeah, and so it's like that, that kind of shows where they were right there. And we all had assumed that. And then Adam Schefter helped pretty much confirm that, like, yeah, they're, they're not talking to him. There, there was no reason for their relationship to continue. Uh, and Philadelphia is saying, you know, the interesting thing is what are they going to do with the first round picks that are coming up uh, due to the Carson Wentz trade? Uh, where, where, where should their investments lie, you know, in that? Uh, are they going to go get another offensive weapon? Are they going to work on the line? Are they going to build up that defense that is extremely vulnerable? Are they going to be ridiculous and go for another quarterback just because you probably don't believe in Nate Sudfield at this point in time as a backup quarterback? So, All right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But good good for the Colts. I mean, I think the Colts are the clear winner in this one. Well, let me let me ask y'all what you think which uh, move is better, the wins to the Colts or Matthew Stafford to the Rams? Uh, I think Carson Wentz just because of the scenario that he's going to. I mean, I know Matthew Stafford is proven, but I mean, he's definitely older, and I don't know. I just, I just think at the end of the day, I think the kind of stars are going to align for the Colts to kind of get back to prominence. I would say the the Colts as well, because I think the number one, like I said, the division is weaker, uh, and so Matthew Stafford is going to have his hands full in that division. I mean, I think all the teams have their hands full. And when you look at Arizona is the worst team in your division, like that's that's crazy, you know? And I, I put that worst in quotation marks. It's not going to be as easy of a plug and play as people think in that scenario. I think the easier plug and play is Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Uh, though Stafford has a better defense to, to help him if it takes a while for that learning curve to happen, I don't think they have uh, the receivers to be able to take advantage of Stafford's ability because he has a huge arm and he could throw the ball down the field, but they don't have any down the field receivers right now. I think there's still a piece away from being able to maximize Stafford's talent. I think the Colts are already built for Wentz's talent. Yeah. What did you think, Maddie team? <laughs> I'm still, I'm still kind of borderline. Um, I actually, I, I think I'm, le- I'm still leaning towards the Stafford deal because I think, I think him and the McVeigh uh, relationship or McVeigh's schemes, I think that's, I think that's going to be pretty explosive. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and I think, and I hear you on the division, but I think the AFC has a tougher road 
in terms of getting to I, I'm looking at it which teams I guess is more likely to kind of make a big playoff run yeah and I think it's more the Rams because mm-hmm. I mean obviously you have Tom Brady but you know Tom Brady's gonna be what 44 <laughs> <laughs> can't believe that man can't believe I'm saying that but you know, really, besides that, I mean, obviously you have Aaron Rodgers, but mm-hmm. that's kind of it. I mean, really, uh, uh, Russell Wilson, I should say. Mm-hmm. As, as great as Russell Wilson is, their offense is not very good. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Pete Carroll is so sterile with that office. And then you already see the kind of little back and forth cold war stuff that's happening there. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, and then don't get me started on the NFC East. Cause that's just trash. Yeah. They don't count. <laughs> right. Don't and you know, you have one less, you have Drew Brees is going to most likely is going to retire. So I think they're more likely to make a longer, a long playoff run. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Colts, because obviously you add Carson to the mix. We don't know where Deshaun's going to go. Um, but you know, you still got Patrick Mahomes, you still got um Josh Allen, you still got Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Mm-hmm. Like that, those are some solid teams now that you're gonna have to go through. So yeah. just from that perspective, I think I'll give the slighter edge to the Rams right now. But you know, we'll we'll have to see how it, how it looks. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, either way, it's gonna be interesting in the next foot, you know, football. So I'm already excited. To, to yeah. watch the NFL. Well, we're, we're not done yet. We ain't done yet. Because, yeah. you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Dak. We don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun, obviously. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen with, you know, with, with Garoppolo. There could be some other switches there. So, yeah. Sam right. Darnold and, you know, so we, they ain't done yet. Yeah. <laughs> Man. There, I, you know, it's, it's actually kind of, I don't know. I saw this in, like, an article somewhere, but apparently, like, um, the Colts were inquiring about Derek Carr, but Oakland mm-hmm. said he wasn't available. And I'm just like, in what world is Derek Carr not available? Like, I'm trying to get rid of him. <laughs> well, I, I think they – I think John Gruden wants to get um, – wants to try to sneak in and get Deshaun. Mm-hmm. Because I yeah. think that's why they're not, they said he wasn't available because it's like, well, I'm not getting a quarterback in return, so – Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just going to give you him just for some picks. And then it's not like you're Jacksonville and you have the number one pick. You're going to get Trevor Lawrence. Mm -hmm. Right. Houston's going to want a quarterback in return or at least a value. Or something. Or a high value. And so if you your defense doesn't have heavy value right now as far as individual playmakers, your offense is where a lot of your playmakers are. And so, I mean, you can get Deshaun Watson, but if you have to give up a, a, a Waller or somebody like that, then you're you're marginalizing Deshaun Watson's impact that he can have on your team if you take away his weapons. I personally, th- I think they want picks. They're just when they say we're not trading Deshaun Watson, they're just driving up the price. That's all they're doing. I, I yeah. think they they want they want as much first round picks as possible. That's what I think. Complete rebuild, you think? Yeah, Complete, yeah, yeah. I think it would be nice if they could get a player, but I, I think they want like to start completely fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing that, that PR game with with Deshaun because they want him to kind of hold out. So then you know those old heads could be like, oh, why is he holding out? He's getting paid all this money, and then they'll probably trade him. Mm-hmm. 
that's I'm what, that's what I feel they're doing. I'm hoping against hope, but I hope that somehow he stays in Texas and goes to Dallas. That's not happening. Sean wants. I know it's not happening, but I can dream. Can I? You you can dream. You can dream. That that would be a, a an excellent move for them. But yeah, that's yeah. not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. Uh, well, yeah. So more moves to come. Uh, love love what the you know the excitement that NFL is building. You know, usually we talk about player movement and stuff like that. We're thinking about the NBA, uh, and so though it's not through the same vein necessarily. Uh, that the teams are having more control of it, but there is still player mobility going on. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right. So, next, Coach K, this is your Bulls watch. What do you got? Would y'all win like one game this week, maybe two? Uh, we're on a two game winning streak. All right. We okay. beat the Pacers, which the Pacers do have a winning record. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is how low I mean, the bar is, people. <laughs> I mean, it's an overtime win, though. And, uh, I mean, obviously we beat Detroit. And I think, I don't know, just from watching the Bulls, like, the games are a lot closer than what you would expect. Um, I mean, they lost, I think, uh, when they played the Lakers, they only lost by, like, two points, but the games are really close. They're playing extremely well. They've got a good mix of old and uh, of veteran talent and young talent. And they're they're playing well without Laurie Markman, who's obviously like the second best player on the team. So I there's a couple of things that I think I actually think that they could end up in the sixth, maybe even the seventh seed in the East, because obviously the East is absolute trash. Yes. You only have like maybe three or four teams with a with a winning record, which isn't saying much, but uh, I don't think that the Knicks are going to – the only – of course, I think, like, obviously the Miami Heat are going to end up uh, with a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that um, – uh, I'm kind of borderline on the Knicks. I don't think they're going to sustain their level of play. And uh, Charlotte, we'll see about them. But um, – one thing that actually kind of surprised me was um, the Bulls are actually like in the top 10 as far as teams that are scoring the most points. Um, they are, they're playing, their pace is like in the top six as far as um, pace of, you know, um, pace of the game is being played. But uh, I think, I think we're on this, I think we're, we're going to see um, the Bulls continue to kind of, um, you know, come together and, and obviously play better as a team. I think Billy Donovan is getting the best out of some of the um, some of the players there, especially like Zach Levine. He's having an All Star season. Um, he's he's, he's, he's definitely bull. cheering better. Look, man, yeah. hey, hey, he hit a move the other day. I was like, that boy, good. He's good now. He's good. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, y'all, you laugh at me if you want, man, but I'm telling you, the Bulls are going to end up in the sixth seed. Okay. So for mm-hmm. those, if this is your first time stepping into the coach's box, we're going to have a Bulls watch on most of our episodes because Coach K is a, is a loyal Bulls fan. We've tried Damn. interventions. We've tried to Doesn't change work. his mind. We tried to help him move Doesn't on work. with his life. But um, it didn't work. It really didn't work. work. All of our efforts didn't work. 
So you're going to hear it on the shows and Coach K is going to outline the Chicago Bulls every single week. Watch when the watch when marketing comes back. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Watch when he gets back in the lineup. Okay. Okay. If I'm if I'm wrong, I will I will buy a we'll figure something out. Listen, we talked about this, you know, several shows ago. We ain't trying to take your money, bro. That's 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 nah, easy man, money. Look, that's look, easy tell, money right there, man. Do you you guys honestly think the Bulls can't make it into the in at least into the eight seed? I mean, anything can happen, but I don't I don't think it will happen at See, all. Now, the one thing I'll tell you this: the one thing that does worry me if was if Zach Levine gets traded. This this will be the last Bulls watch segment we see. <laughs> Please, Chicago, <laughs> trade Zach Levine so we don't have to. Keep I don't want to see that trade happen. I well, I think I, I think it's possible they can make the playoffs, but I think my question is like, what what direction are they going in? Like, what what are we doing here? Mm. That's that's my question with the Bulls because it's like, okay, you make the playoffs, you get beat, and then okay, what are we doing? Like, are you? Building around Zach Berlin or you're not? Mm-hmm. Are you starting over or you're not? I think because like, I think this is because because honestly I think right now it's actually worse for you guys because now you're kind of like in contention, so you're not going to get a high draft pick, and mm-hmm. now you're just going to be in this kind of middle of the road. It depends on what we could get for Zach Levine, and I don't think that we could get a package good enough to that would really warrant getting rid of him. Unless you want to get more draft picks. But to me, like the fact that they're like a, they they've put it out there, that means they don't necessarily believe in Zach Levine as their like staple franchise. I'm not I'm not player. saying he's a sta- staple franchise player, but I think you could with the with the young talent that we have, uh, I don't know, find a couple key players in the offseason if if you can, but I think I think it's more of a I think it, it's a it's an entire culture change, ownership change. Oh, that's it's, not happening. You know, yeah, yeah, it's not happening. But I mean, because he don't even live there. He live in Arizona. No, nah, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> nobody wants to live in Chicago, man. Well, except for me. <laughs> no, Chicago's I, dope. I, I, just, if you can deal with the 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 winners, totally Chicago's yeah, dope. Whole, yeah, yeah, Chicago's a dope city. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, Coach K. Thank you for the, for the Bulls watch. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you if anybody has any questions, I'll be happy to answer them. Oh jeez, ain't nobody gonna ask you anything. <laughs> all right, moving forward, we're gonna go into our uh, our All Star starters. Uh, so they were announced uh, this week, and and so you know we last couple episodes talked about our reserves and our starters, and so just to let everyone know, yeah, uh, for the Western Conference. Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, LeBron James, the Joker, and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, on the on the east side, you have Kyrie Irving, Bradley Bill, KD, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. For these, and so you know we most of our picks were pretty right here. Uh, any anyone that you don't think deserved a starting spot out of either conference? Luka. 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 Yeah, I think we're unanimous yeah. on that one. I think his talent yeah. is at an all-star starter level, but what he showed us this particular season yeah. is a reserve level, not a starter level. Yeah. I mean, 
I think I, I hate to say well, you can't like, trust fans sometimes, man. It's a popularity fans, contest. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's all the young cats out there. No, no, but I don't know. Just just I I feel like it's just I, I don't know. Uh, just how much the game has changed, I guess. But at the same time, it's like uh, I feel like Dame is. I don't know if it's, it's if it's just the fact that he's part of the Trailblazers franchise, uh, or if it's just like he. I feel like he doesn't ever get the respect that he deserves because he's. Mm-hmm. You could arguably say he's probably definitely one of the most clutch players in the game right now um i mean i think i think as the years as um as each year that he's in the league he does get progressively better and um i think the only thing though is just i mean last year getting bounced in the first round didn't necessarily help but um i think what he's been able to do um especially you know without mccullum and uh and their center like mm-hmm. definitely warrants Nurkic, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Nurkic, yeah. Uh, what, what I think that warrants a starting position. Um, I mean, he's playing at an MVP level, and I think he he de- he definitely deserves more. But if yeah. it's a popularity contest, I guess people will go with um, Luca, which actually kind of surprised me because I feel like I feel like uh, Dame is more relatable than than Luca is. Mm. Yeah, Dame definitely got snubbed in my opinion on that. And it, yeah, I can't stand the fan voting. They literally they had Alex Caruso, they had Clay Thompson, and, Clay Thompson and like the top play. ten of like the guard like positions respectively. I'm like, no, no. wasn't Melo on the top ten too? Or he Melo Melo, Melo was, was yeah. I mean, he's had a good season, but I wouldn't say All Star worthy compared to some other folks. Can't put Melo in there and not put Zach Levine. No, Zach Levine was in there. Yeah, he was in there because oh. he was in the top. He was he was in the top because I think he was. Wait, was he fourth on the East? On the guards? East guards, yeah, I think. Oh, okay. yeah, no I think he was fourth or fifth, I think. Yeah, I think he just missed the cut, you know. So, but because he's having a good season now. To be fair, the guard. Um, choices was probably the toughest on both sides mm-hmm. um, as far as who to pick. But, yeah, I mean, Luke could – look, I mean, he, he deserves to be an all-star, but, I mean, Damian Lillard should be starting for sure. Yeah. And, honestly, to go a step further, I was thinking about last week's questions, our MVP candidates. Yeah. I said, Damian – I actually should – I actually think it should be Damian Lillard. Oh yeah, he definitely deserves to be in the conversation. To be totally sure. honest, because I, you know, I think every, I think LeBron's in the lead right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it really should be Damian Lillard. Like he really, because he's they're fourth in the West, and he's done it without Nurkic and and CJ um, and CJ, and mm-hmm. he's averaging what? Well, let's call it 30, 29.8, four point point rebounds, seven mm-hmm. assists a game. It's really. I, I think it's because he plays in Portland. No respect. Like if he. Nope. Well, it's not necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily about respect. I think because where they're located from a time zone standpoint, they're not. They don't get those national time slots. 
mm-hmm. and they don't get on TV as much. That's that's they what don't. it is. I think, yeah, I mean, if he played for – because if he played for, like, the Lakers, if he played, you know, for, you know, an East Coast team, mm-hmm. I think he would be a lot bigger star than what he is. Because I think because he's in Portland, and Portland is just so nestled away in the Northwest, mm-hmm. it's tough – you know, it's tough for people to see him play. So he kind of gets forgotten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, to, to your point, Coach Natty T, which you've been talking about the NBA and the international players that are being pushed through the marketing efforts and stuff like this. And, you know, you look at the lineups we just named. So we're just talking about starters here. Four out of the 10 starters are international players so you're t- you're talking about four out of the top 10 best players are you know Joel Embiid, Giannis, Luca, and uh the Joker you know just looking at at that and you know you could put some other people in that conversation too so I think that's just interesting I don't I'm, I was thinking about years and years past how many international players that I've seen that are in the NBA be, you know, all-star starters at the same time. And I can't remember one with quite this many, because you know, like Duncan, if you want to count Duncan because he was born in the Virgin Islands, if you want to count that, then sure. Uh, But looking at people that played pure international ball and then came over here, like a Tony Parker or something like that. um, Yeah. Ginobili. Ginobili. It's a, it's, it's a global game. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, so what about okay so we talked about the all-star starters but what about the mid-season disappointments you know we had you know we talked we did NBA preview shows and we hyped people up we talked about how we hoped this would happen that would happen our predictions some of those folks have let us down uh, so coach Natty T we'll start with you who, who are your mid-season disappointments thus far well Number one for me is Luca. Um, I, I had him. I picked him as you know by my MVP. I thought his, and I guess to be fair to him, you know the Mavs have been you know minus the uh, with the Wizards. I think they've been the second most affected by COVID this season as far as having games delayed and players out. So. You know, I, okay, I'll, I'll give you some slack for that because at the beginning of the season, he didn't really have, you know, they, they, they had a lot of guys out of the lineup because of COVID. Uh, but he looked a, a bit pudgy to me. He yeah. looked like he was still celebrating that shot that he hit over over uh, <laughs> Reggie Jackson. Yeah. I'm like, dude, the new season started. Yeah. Um, it's like you realize you did lose that series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he was resting. He was resting on those laurels a little bit. And mm-hmm. for me, that's just, and I just have a big pet peeve with athletes that aren't in shape. I yes. think that's ridiculous. Yes. I think it's complete garbage because unless you have a medical condition, like not like a thyroid issue where, you know, it's tough to keep your weight down or, you know, like you're a diabetic or something like that. Like, okay. But there's no excuse for you not to come in to the beginning of the season, not in shape. I don't mm-hmm. care. When you're, that's what you're paid to do. Yes. I don't want to hear anything. Like the rest of us out here that work regular jobs and want to stay in shape. Yeah. But your job is to be in shape. 
There's no excuse for that. So that's garbage. Um, you know what my number two is? Uh, the Greek freak, right? Yeah. Yes. Trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trash. How many times? Like, they played They played the Thunder the other night. It was a close game. Dude had, like, 30 points, right? Then it was a close game. What happened? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. They played, they played, this was right right before the, uh, or no, right after the Harden trade against the Nets. Nets don't play no defense. What happened on MLK Day? What happened? Game's closed. Where is Giannis at the end of the game? Nowhere to be found. They play against Phoenix. Same thing. Dude has 40. Goes at the end of the game. Gets the ball. What does, Eric, what does Devin Booker say? Oh, we good. We're in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> garbage man like I, and then even to because coach wake up brought up in the text so that that uh that twitter poll where it was talking about um or whoever posted it on twitter asking if you know have you ever met an adult that like Giannis? you don't because it's just no. it's purely manufactured and again we've been alluding to this past few weeks with the international push with the nba he's an example of that mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not going to go any more on that. I could go way much more on Giannis because I just, it's just, it's just, can, it's can very I, annoying watching. Them can I add to what we talked about last night that Giannis still can't beat the Raptors? Yeah, like, like dude, <laughs> like, come on. Like, it's, been, it's been two years, man. And, two and years, Kawhi ain't man, even man. there anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like you still, like, Dude, is not there anymore. Marcus Saul's not there anymore, and you still can't beat these guys. It's a waste. It's a waste, man. It's it's a waste. But um, so my number is three disappointment, and I guess I'll give him some slack because he's going to be out for four weeks. But Anthony Davis, I, I think, mm. um, you know, obviously, looks like he's had that Achilles calf thing has been kind of ailing him, I guess, throughout the season. So. Maybe that's what it was, but he's been disappointing to me because I, I expected him to take that next step forward and really, like, not necessarily take over, but show that he should be an MVP candidate himself. Like, he has yeah. the ability. Like, yes. as much as we talk about KD and LeBron and and obviously people throw Giannis in there too, and and – even going back to Giannis a little bit, the past two years, numbers-wise, I can't argue those numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess by default, you have to put him in there. But um, but AD should be right in that, you know, the Steph conversation of superstar, you know? AD should be there. He has the ability to be the MVP. He has the ability to be like, I'm the best player in the NBA, and nobody can stop me. Yeah. And I haven't seen that from him this year. So it's – to me, he's still playing in LeBron's shadow. Um, so that was my three big biggest disappointments this year. And again, he's he's hurt, so maybe that was it because that's been ailing him for you know for a little bit. So you know maybe he just hasn't been feeling like in his one hundred percent self. But still, I just I expected more. Absolutely. So, Coach K, who are your midseason disappointments? Uh, I mean, definitely Luca. And um, and the Mavs. I mean, because you're talking about Luca, they're talking about him like he was. He's supposed. He's talking about how you know, 
overseas. It's so much tougher than, than playing, calling the NBA easy to play in. And, well, I mean, it doesn't show. His team's not even in the top eight. Yeah, they're the 10th seed right now. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I think that'll – I think that stands to be rectified by the end of the season, but – um, and I don't, I don't care if you have had if you haven't had you know poor things. I mean, you should still be able to. <clears throat> just if you if you're as good as people say you are, you should still be able to you know lift your team up to another level. And we yeah. haven't seen that happen um, yeah. this year. Um, so I mean, that, that's disappointing for me because I had I had Dallas. Uh, really, I had them being like a top top two, three team. Mm. Um, you know, before the before the season even yeah. even started, so um, I think, and I think that this my disappointment on this the next team is is more so just because like um, it's just more personal for me because I'm a I'm a Russell Westbrook fan, but just the Wizards continue to be a, they continue to be a disappointment for me because uh, I, I want to see them do better. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would like to see um, I, just seeing like Russ's um, competitiveness. Like, I always like seeing them actually do well. But you know, I think the my third disappointment is just the the actual over this the Eastern Conference is just it's terrible. How do you have? How do you only have four teams with winning records? Granted, mm-hmm. I guess we're we're only like. Um, Maybe close to twenty-seven games in, but still, I, I just don't understand it. When you know, I think, I think, I think there are talented teams out there, but the Celtics. I don't even know if they have a winning record. Actually, they don't. Fourteen and fourteen. Yeah. So, and that's that's a team I would think that would that would be in the top in the top four at least top four. Mm-hmm. So. But I mean, I guess kudos to kudos to, and actually the Bucks are a disappointment too because I think they should be. <laughs> <laughs> They're only two wins over five hundred. They're on a five-game losing streak right now. Yes, yeah, five so crash. Yeah. With the offensive and defensive so, MVP on the floor, trash. <laughs> two time. <laughs> A two-time MVP is just, I don't know. But to your point, Ken, it's interesting because before you go coach JP3, it seems as if, because looking at the East the East teams, for some reason, and, and again, maybe this is just what's going on in the country. It seems like more of the Eastern Conference teams have been affected by COVID more so than the Western Conference teams. And I think you're seeing mm-hmm. that with the records. Mm-hmm. Again, the Wizards was just blasted by COVID. Like they had a they had like a COVID outbreak. Um, right. Obviously, Brooklyn. I mean, KD has been was pulled from a game for goodness sake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even like Boston, Toronto, Charlotte, my, Miami was Indy, a big one. Miami, yeah, all those teams have been like COVID just <laughs> just ran through their their locker room. So whereas the Western Conference teams, everybody's kind of actually played so i think that's that's been a big factor too with with the records i mean there's a restaurant in in florida that has a sign outside of it that's that says no face diapers required 
Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So they're they literally call masks face diapers and yeah. they're not requiring them to be worn in a restaurant. That's what's going on in Florida. Yeah. So oh, oh, oh I know. My yeah. my older sister lives in Florida. She's like, yeah, they because <laughs> they wear their mask and like they'll go they'll go into places and people are looking at them like they're crazy. <laughs> but yeah, Florida. I don't get the world, man. It's, yeah, it's 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 open for business down there. It, there's no there's no such thing as COVID. I'm cool. I'm good. I'm good. Man. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna belabor the points that you all made on uh, some of those. I agree with the, you know, with the Anthony Davis. He was my um, early MVP pick. Uh, Giannis continues to be a disappointment. Just not seeing the the development that I thought I'd see. Uh, Luca definitely. Uh, but I'm gonna go to a couple of teams. I'm not gonna say necessarily one of the players more than the other has disappointed me, but you have an MVP candidate in the Joker, right? And Denver is in the eighth seed in the Western Conference. Uh, So I I guess if I were to put it on any player, Jamal Murray has not had a good season so far. Yeah. Just to be honest. I mean, he was absolutely on fire in the bubble last season. Uh, and it, on uh, the season before that, you know, that Portland Denver series was, you know, was one for the making. He has really struggled this season. Uh, and so I think the Nuggets in particular, um, in particular him, he, he, Jamal Murray would be one of my disappointments. For this. I expected the Nuggets to be higher up. And, and I think they'll, they'll be fine to get into the playoffs and hopefully they'll make their noise there. But I expected them to be in the top three or four in the West going into the season. My other disappointment was actually the Pelicans. Uh, and Zion, I think, has held his end of the things. He's having a good year. But the Pelicans as a team, I expected to be playing better. And right now they're sitting at the 11th seed at 12 and 16. Uh, it's, I expected them to be further along than Memphis. I expected them to be further along than even, you know, Golden State sitting at the seventh seed right now. And so when you look at, you have Phoenix, San Antonio, and Golden State at five, six, and seven. And then you have Denver, Memphis, Dallas, and then the Pelicans. I expected the Pelicans to be a little bit higher than that uh, this year. So we'll see what happens. But those are a couple of disappointments that you all did. They don't play, they don't play no defense. Not at, all. Not at all. And I'm like, you got an old school coach. Like, what is happening yeah. here? Right. And they're young. And they and got young legs. Like, yes. oh, what's, yeah, yeah, oh, what's going on with that? Like, that's a huge disappointment. Yeah. Well, let's let's see what what they do in the second half, and maybe we'll change we'll change our tune a little bit. But yeah, just not off to a good start for those for our picks there. All right, so now we're gonna go into one of our classic what if scenarios. So the big one, uh, and actually, he was on uh, Chris Weber was on all the Smoke podcast. Uh, no, nah, he was on um, the other one with. Um... With Darius uh, Miles and Quentin Richardson, yep. right? Yes. Yep, yep, yes. Yep. Yes. I, I forget what their podcast is called, but yeah, he was on that one. Yes, and he was talking, you know, they were talking about, wow, Chris Webber and Shaq almost played together. So for those who don't know, in the 93 draft, so uh, Orlando got Shaq in 92, and then they somehow miraculously got the number one pick again the following year, uh, and then so this was, you look at your top three picks that people were talking about. You had 
uh, Anthony Penny Hardaway, you had Chris Weber, and uh, Sean Bradley was actually the number two pick in that draft. So you had all three of those guys coming in that were pretty highly favored. And Orlando drafts Chris Weber. And then right after that, they trade him to Golden State, who picked up Penny Hardaway. And so they basically just swapped picks. So Penny Hardaway ended up being an Orlando Magic. Chris Weber ended up being a Golden State Warrior. So let's just say what would happen if Orlando kept Chris Weber and then Penny Hardaway remained with Golden State? How would have things panned out differently? Coach Natty T, we're going to start with you. My initial reaction is, as much as it would have been fun to see, I, I actually think it would have fizzled out a lot sooner than it actually did with, with Shaq and Penny. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm just thinking at that point in time, Shaq's ego. Yes. I mean, they're both down low in that position. And in watching the interview, uh, at least clips of the interview when Chris Weber was, you know, saying, you know, he was excited to play with Shaq. And I think they had dialogue before, you know, obviously, you know, while in college and, you know, playing pickup and all of that. And they're like, yeah, you know, it'd be dope to play together. And this was Knuckleheads. That's the name of the podcast. Knuckleheads. 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 That's what it is. Yes. 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 So, um, I think it would have been fun to see, and I think they would have. It would have been a very unique situation from a basketball perspective because you wouldn't have had two explosive seven footers that can run up and down the floor like that. Like that would have been really interesting. Um, but I, I just think I think it would have fizzled out a little sooner than what it did with with, with Penny and Shaq because I just think their egos would have eventually just butted heads too much. I really do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as much as it would have been great to see, I just think it, I, I don't know. That was my that's my initial reaction. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Coach K, what is your what is your gut reaction? What do you think would have happened? Um, it's an interesting one. I so what I found interesting, uh, I saw in an interview where Chris Weber said that he never wanted to play the center when he went to Golden State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't know, I think, I mean, it depends on obviously whether or not, um, I mean, obviously I think they would have, they would have had some time to kind of figure it out. Um, I think it, I think it would have worked out though. I, but it it all depends on to like the injury situation. Like, does Chris Weber is he dealing with the injuries that he dealt with? You know, like, um, you know when he went to what from like was it from like what ninety? Um, you know, what was the mid nineties where he was like playing hurt, mm-hmm. um, or he dealt with the uh, whatever injury it was. But I think. I think that, I mean, obviously, I think Chris Weber would probably have to defer to the big man. But um, honestly, like once they figured out their stride, who was going to stop them? I mean, you talk about. I mean, obviously, I think the only the only way you're going to do that is if if you outshoot them. 
Um, so obviously, I think you would have to surround them with with um, maybe some better guards. Um, I I know you probably need a better point guard, but I think I could see them. Maybe I can maybe see them like being the team after um, after uh, after the Bulls move on because I think I think they could beat the Pacers. I think they could beat the Nets. I mean, now it'll be interesting seeing like uh, a Magic with a prime Shaq and a prime Chris Webber like going up against the 76ers. And if you don't, and if you, and the only team you're going to have to worry about in the West um, would be the Spurs. You know, I, I think that, I think the Magic at least gets one championship out of that. So follow-up question, Coach K. So yeah. the Magic made it to the finals in Jordan's absence. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he came and he came, you know, he came back. Uh, and then the the Magic beat the Bulls that year. Right. Went to the finals and, and lost to the Rockets. Mm-hmm. If Chris Webber is there instead of Penny, A, do the Magic even make it that far? And B, if they do, does that change the outcome of the finals? Do they actually beat Houston? Yeah. I don't I don't think they're beating Houston. I don't think they're beating Houston. Um just because I think they you still have that. I think I think that loss in the finals was important for Shaq's development. Um and plus like uh I don't know. I just feel like with the overall experience of the Rockets, just how they were able to get under the skin, like um <clears throat> of the magic and just kind of like I mean they basically own them that entire series. So I think that I think that's what's gonna happen again. I mean let's see. If you this, ask me. This one was a I, tough one. Go ahead. I was gonna say this was a tough one, Coach K. It was. So this is what's so interesting about these what ifs is because I tend to look at the things that happen after that, what moves the teams made after that, who they drafted, who they traded for, and would those moves have been different if the draft was different, if the initial draft was right. different. So I'm not going to bore you all with a bunch of names. You all can go on, you know, basketballreference.com and look up at the mediocre players the Orlando Magic drafted after Penny Hardaway. Okay, after the Penny Hardaway draft. I mean, we're talking about like Darren Armstrong. We're talking about people that um, a lot of us have never heard heard for Brian Evans. Uh, Amal McCaskill. You know, we're talking about your ability as a franchise to actually build a team. So when lightning in a bottle hit and you were able to get Penny, your next best option without Penny Hardaway is Scott Skiles at this point. Now, Scott Skiles was a good basketball player. Okay. He deserved to be on an NBA roster, right? But I think what made Shaq great, Tur, 
and his Orlando time was because Penny Hardaway was there to get him the ball. And that Penny took so much attention, he drew so much attention, it allowed Shaq to operate much easier. If you look through Shaq's career, when has he been most successful? Well, when he's had a guard, when he's had a guard to get him the ball. Kobe, D-Wade, Penny. Those are the years that he's been most successful. So I don't think Shaq is as influential for the Magic without Penny being there. And because of that, though Chris Webber would bring his own talents to the table, and I think they would have some really good highlight moments. I think they would have some signature games. I'll go ahead and say I'll say that. But I don't think they make it past the Indianas. I don't think they beat the Chicago Bulls when Jordan came back. So I don't even think they get to the finals against Hakeem and them. I don't even think they make it that far. Because Penny Hardaway was the other, the matchup nightmare. And now when you're talking about a league who had predominantly big men at the time running the teams, it was a little bit easier for them to match up against big men than it was, you know, a 6'8", 6'9", point guard. Penny was really the only one that brought that to the table. And you look at who were the other guards. You had Mark Jackson, you had Ron Harper, you know, you had those guys, you had uh, Derek Harper, you had all these, these folks for the teams. They, they're not, they can't guard Penny Hardaway. <laughs> There's no way they're guarding Penny Hardaway, but they can guard Scott Skiles. They can guard Darrell Armstrong. So my thing is that Orlando really didn't do anything that showed to me that if they drafted Chris Weber, they were going to be able to build a team around those two that was going to make, get, get them far. And I don't see them lasting long enough, Coach K, to even get to the point where the Spurs are relevant. I don't see them lasting that long. Because I see the, the same thing happening where Chris Webber gets marketed. And, and you know, he, he, at first in his career, didn't want the marketing type thing to go on. So maybe he wouldn't have been as big in the marketing sphere as Penny Hardaway. So perhaps the strain wouldn't have been as large. But... The other half of that was not just Penny Hardaway. It was with that poll from the city showed, right? And Shaq mentioned this in the documentary, Magic Moment. And he said, when they put the poll out there and they said, would you rather keep Shaquille O'Neal or Penny Hardaway? They chose Penny Hardaway. And that's what got him. And he said, I'm done. So there was really nothing Orlando could have done at that point in time. I see the same thing happening with Chris Webber because Chris Webber would have been playing well. I see Shaq going to the Lakers regardless. And now you leave Chris Webber by himself with the Orlando Magic, and now they have to build around him. So the only change that I would, I would see is that they wouldn't have made it that far in the final series, in the playoff series, and perhaps the years after Shaq left would have been maybe a tad bit better, seeing how Penny Hardaway's injuries unfortunately caught up with him. Uh, they could have been maybe a little bit more successful with Chris Webber and have been a mediocre Eastern Conference team. I guess the reason why I kind of see, like, um, I still see it kind of working out is because I'm still banking on, like, Chris Webber just being injured. So I'm looking at Shaq having to try to carry the team, you know, while, you know, Webber's dealing with his injuries or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think by the time he hits his prime, like, I think both of them are ready to rock. And we, and who's – okay, granted, yeah, they do need better guards around him. But, like, who – I'm just, like, nobody's going to be able to 
to stop like Chris Weber or Shaq on the same team. It's a, it's a great what if question. What if question. Yeah. I wouldn't have mind seeing it. I I would say because I, I was a Michael Jordan fan, I didn't like the Orlando Magic team. But like mm. Jordan aside, it was a really good team to watch. It was a really fun team to yeah. watch. I'm not gonna lie. I just didn't want them to win because of Jordan. Uh, but that Orlando team, in retrospect, was one of my favorite teams to watch growing up. I don't know if it would have been as fun to watch with Shaq and, and Weber. Fair. Let, let me ask this question. What do you see happening to the to the Warriors with Penny Hardaway, Tim Hardaway, Latrell Sweet, Latrell Sprewell, and that Chris and that Mullins. Mm-hmm. Chris Mullins? I think it's the same scenario because I think, well, not the same scenario, but I don't because between uh, Penny and Tim Hardaway, they play the same position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because neither one of them are really like an off guard type player, so you know right. somebody more likely mm-hmm. probably Penny would have been coming off the bench, mm-hmm. and you know maybe he. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a good question because. You know, like maybe he has to get traded and it kind of finds his way to another team and, mm-hmm. you know, then he kind of showcases his skills or something like that. I mean, who knows? But I just think if he if he goes to Golden State, he's not going to start because he's nope. not going to start over Tim mm-hmm. Hardaway. Not right away. Yeah, not until um, they get rid of him, right? Not until they get rid of him. So, you know, I, I think – and even after that, I mean, the – Golden State was to to your point, JP three. Like even after that that draft with Chris Webber, I mean, they had those few years, but that were kind of exciting. But you know, going into late nineties, early two thousands, I mean, really not until the Baron Davis Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. when they beat uh, Dallas in the first round mm-hmm. as an as an eight seed. You know, they had Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson and those cats. Mm-hmm. Really not until then did they were they even somewhat relevant again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think he probably ends up getting traded or something and, you know, and, and goes from there. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting question, though. Somebody, yeah. I, I read somewhere, um, they were saying that, um, I forget who, I forget who the coach was at the time, but like to experiment with the lineups and his his whole thing was we see the uh, evolution of small ball happen a lot earlier with Tim Hardaway and like uh, Penny maybe playing Penny at the two guard mm. that would have been interesting to watch I mean I, yeah. I mean you see it a lot now so it if you get the right coach in there and they both buy into the system mm. you know you get someone that's kind of thinking about the game differently then perhaps it does work yeah it just seemed like the tradition at that time is we're going to draft somebody that's going back up who we have and then if that person that backs up keeps messing up then they'll get replaced or you know what have you yeah mm-hmm. so perhaps perhaps penny shows off showcases his talents a little bit later than than he did even if it's with golden state uh because really they did need a a, a big a big guy 
You know, I think they, yeah. they were guard heavy and they had Chris Mullen at the small forward. So they, they needed a big guy to, to make that work. And I don't see it being any more profitable trying to get another guard mm-hmm. uh, there at all. So, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, yeah, Golden State really wasn't relevant at all until about that year. Yeah. About that year they upset Dallas. I was trying to think of a team earlier than that that they have like that one year. But no, they were pretty, they were pretty mediocre. And that's being kind. Mediocre is a kind word to use for the mm-hmm. that franchise from the late nineties to the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. We'll never know, but it's nice to be able to speculate and mm-hmm. kind of play with history mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, all right. So now we're going to get into the. Um, so, Coach K, you really, you really wow. stunned Coach Natty T and I with your question at the end of last show. Uh, we were thinking, wow, we don't know how to answer that right now. So we had to carry it over to this show. Uh, and so Coach K really asked us, what do we think is the next culture, culture shift for the NBA? Uh, and so we, we, we talked about uh, playing styles for uh, different sports. We talked about uh, coaching hires and, and global games. We talked about all those things when it comes to the sports. You know, what is next for the NBA? The NBA has done so much. It's had so many pioneers. What's, what's the next step for the NBA, the next culture shift? Uh, so we had a week to think about it in person. I still don't know what the answer is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come up with something that sounds halfway intelligent. But, <laughs> I, you know, but uh, Coach Natty T, what, 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 what were your takeaways? What do you think is the next culture shift for the NBA? Well, <laughs> well I was thinking about this a lot this week. Uh, I have three different, I guess, potential angles I can go. Um, So one, we've been kind of flirting with it is the international push with the game. I think culturally that 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 may change the NBA, how it looks, how it's marketed. Um, Obviously, the players that they're going to try to bring into the league. And if you guys have, you know, ESPN plus and you know our listeners that are that are listening if you guys have ESPN plus like you can see like because they're starting to play like the you, we have access to like the FIBA championships we have access to the the FIBA African championships and you you see like the because I was watching uh it was like Cote d'Ivoire versus who did they play I think it was Ghana this week I just saw a little, some highlights and some of the comments were like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, he's, cause he's 19, you know, if he just needs to develop, he's going to be in the NBA in a few years. Like you can see that they're just, they're, they're reaching across the pond, you know, to try to gain that, that pool of yes. players. Cause if they get us hype about international basketball early, then we're, we're going to be like licking our chops. Like, I can't wait till they get to the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what that's one cultural shift that's already we're already in the midst of as we talked yes. about with uh, the 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 all star starters and the voting because going back to the Dame Willard versus uh, Luca it was the fan vote that made the difference and mm-hmm. I, I think and, and Coach K you alluded to it a little bit I think it's some of the younger kids but I think that was the international vote mm-hmm. I think that's what put them over that's what put them over the hump. Um, so the other angle I'm gonna go, it may be a little controversial, but Uh-oh. and I don't know if you guys have thought about this, but 
with regards to, and I'm going to kind of bring it full circle a little bit, because okay. if you look at like the current AAU and how it's facilitated, <laughs> I think the NBA is becoming more suburban, mm. more of a suburban sport than it is an urban sport, dare I say. Mm. Um, if you look at the even the players that are coming in a lot of them are ex-players sons that are coming into the game right yeah um look at the ball brothers like they didn't grow up in the hood it was yeah. in chino hills, chino hills baby. you know what i'm saying right. a lot a lot of the better players now aren't coming from those quote-unquote rough mm. humble beginnings right as they used sure. to sure so I think you can start to see, you, you may, as we talked about with Allen Iverson last week, I think you may, he may be kind of a last of a dying breed because I think that's a cultural shift. The game has become more suburban. It's mm. more like, it's becoming geared towards people that have resources to get your child or get that child into a certain situation. Whereas, in the past, the game kind of came to the urban areas. Whereas now, I don't think it reaches into the urban areas as much. It's become very suburbanized. It's become a lot more organized. It's become a lot more, you know, from a capitalistic perspective or a capitalized perspective, I should say, on the youth with regards to the AAU. There's a lot of sponsorships there. There's a lot of you know, coaches lurking around. There's a lot of money going around there. So I think that's a shift. And as these kids kind of come up and, and, and come up into the game and come into the NBA, their experience is different. And I think you're going to kind of see that be somewhat of a shift as well. That's a, um, that's a good point. Before we move forward, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Because you're seeing a lot more Steph Curry's and Clay Thompson's yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, you are. And it's one of those <laughs> things that if there is some humble beginnings take being taking place, I think we're going to see the systems continue to be manipulated in a way that's like, okay, <laughs> but you do have an uncle that lives in Chino Hills. So what we're going to do is we're going to have, we'll have you live with him, right? And then we're going to have you go and you have access to these things. So even if there is something, it's still going to shift that direction to get you into those spaces. Mm-hmm. And I also see and as they the, do that in football. They do that in football right now. Right now. And as the NCAA continues to be challenged to shift its rules to allow players to uh, profit off of their own image and off of those things, I think that affects the earlier stages too. That's, that makes those even more attractive because if I can get seen first, then I can get that deal first. I can get mm-hmm. that powerade thing because i was in this space before and i committed to kentucky but this person has been watching me since i was in high school mm-hmm. and but now i got that that kind of leverage to be able to go in and say hey yeah i'm committing kentucky when i've already worked out a deal with somebody that i'm going to endorse a, a company or something like that yeah mm-hmm. so yeah that your, your 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 statement just made me think about how it's affecting things from start to finish yeah yep and I mean, again, there, I think there, there's more Steph Curry's and Clay Thompson's and Kyrie Irving's. Yeah. Remember, Kyrie has a street game, but he is suburban as they come. 
He is. He is. <laughs> that dude, that, I know he has family in the New York area, but he's he is suburban as they come. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the Devin Bookers, you know, the, these are these are the these are the next stars in the, of the league, and mm-hmm. they they aren't coming from the typical humble beginnings. Um, and then my third angle, and this is kind of more of a what if, I guess, mm-hmm. um, because in twenty twenty, I think twenty twenty three, that's when the next CBA comes up. I I highly believe there's going to be a lockout on the owner side. And I think that's going to have a culture shift because right now you see like the players have a lot of control over their own destinies and being able to, you know, request for a trade and leave and go on hiatuses and <laughs> all that stuff all yeah. encompassing in one, right? Mm-hmm. Tell you, these owners are like, oh, okay, come see us in 2023. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Changes, right? You're going to be some, right, right. So I think that they may kind of shift it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And even um, Gilbert Arenas alluded to this before the last lockout, if you guys remember, when he mm-hmm. talked about his contract and the bad contracts. Yes. And how the owners kind of set it up to where they push the lockout. You know, we talk about guys like Otto Porter. Like, how the heck is he getting that kind of money? How, sorry. How? You see what I'm saying? Like, contracts like that, I think they're kind of doing some of the same things. These are all, like, pre-calculated type of deals from an owner's perspective where they're like, all right, so now we're just going to have a lockout and then try to reset the market again. Because to your I point. I think it. Folks like in those power positions have made a living off of the long game. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how they got into position to be an owner in the first place, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I that's just my personal belief with regards to culture shifts. I think that's gonna have a big impact because I think a lot of these owners look at guys like LeBron James and they I mean, they respect what he's done on the court, but He's flipped the script, and they're like, oh, "Okay." And if you and if you notice, twenty twenty three, LeBron's gonna be what thirty nine. Mm-hmm. So Chris Paul is more likely gonna be retired by then. So you're gonna have a new president, a player yeah. for the player rep, mm-hmm. right? So now, without that big star kind of pushing that willing and dealing behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. As the players, who do you have to kind of combat the owners? If you take LeBron out, right? Who else? I don't do you, know. Who else do you trust to galvanize people that are, is going to have the clout that the owners are going to respect? Because LeBron is the cast cow for the NBA, so they're not going to mess with him too much. They're going to be like, okay, no. all right, all right. You know, that's why. Again, that's what they call him the king. Uh, but even, but again, twenty twenty three, he's going to be thirty nine years old, right? KD's going to be older by then. Kyrie's going to be older by then. Steph's going to be older by then. It's going to be these kind of young cats. And I hope, I hope they're being prepared to step into that mold. Yes, they need to be taking because, notes. They need to be taking notes. Because right? if they're just going to kind of be under this little shell and then they're like, oh, yeah, I'm the best player now, these owners are going to take them to town. Yeah. I'll say that right now. So... 
that's my three potential co-ownerships. Wow. Those are good. Those are good takes, Coach Nate. Definitely. Yeah, what you got, Coach K? So, I guess I'm going to try to put in, like, two different categories. Uh, one, I guess one for me is, like, more of a personal how I'd like to see the culture shift. Like, I would like to see a shift so it's, like, to make it more competitive. Because uh, right now, like, I think there's just way too many – there's way too much exposure on the NBA. Like, there's way too many games. Um, I'd like to see – I wouldn't even mind seeing, like, a 40-game season. And over that over that time frame, you can actually spread – I mean, because – so when, when COVID – so who's to say, like, are we ever going to get back to actually, like, having, like, packed out games with, you know, like, thousands of people in attendance? So, I don't know. I, I'd much rather be for, like, 40, like, sh- I don't know, shorten the, shorten the season. So, because uh, for me, like, I don't have time to keep up with every game. I want to <laughs> see games. <laughs> I just – I want to see games that matter. Um I mean, obviously, I do like seeing the spectacle of, I don't know, like, all-star season. I mean, all, like, obviously, like, the all-star game and everything like that when, when you know, we're not dealing with, like, COVID or anything like that. But um, having the rough – having the rough – and this is probably not going to happen because, like, I think it would mean, like, uh, rest would have to allow more physicality in games. Um, I'm I'm all for you know just like letting players go at it, jawing <laughs> off. Like I want to I want to I want to see it like go back to the way it was before all this stuff actually happened. But um, I think it has been kind of nice with like without having like fans in the arena because you can actually hear like the communication between like from player to player, you can hear them, like, talking trash and different things like that. And, and like, that's what I like about sports is, is seeing the drama. But, you know, I think – and I'm not saying that the league is softer now, but I think – I think – It is. It, it, okay, yeah, it is softer. <laughs> it is. But I, it is. If you want to use the word softer, less physical, open, you're saying the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, that's that's just me, though. I'd like to see, like, shorter playoff series, like, go back back to, like, a a three-game series. Um, Shoot, you can even make the first round, like, a single elimination so he actually makes it. Makes it more competitive. Um, the second, I guess, the second culture shift is it's kind of like something that Coach Nettie T alluded to, and that's more of a international push. Um, but I think in order for international fans to actually like buy into it, you actually have to. Um, I feel like you're going to have to have a team and like an NBA team in Spain. Um, 
one in China. But I mean, obviously, like travel restriction be, re- coming to play in that part. But, I mean, unless unless I'm able to like tangibly like go to the games and and actually take part in 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 that in the actual NBA experience, like to me, it's just kind of something like. I don't know. It's only something that you can actually like watch on TV, but actually uh, going to the game and, and taking pride in, um, you know, your city or, you know, whatever, <clears throat> uh, whatever. And, and I, I mean, obviously like I've, I've, I'm saying that as a Chicago fan, because I've, I've been to Chicago Bulls games. Like I love them, like being in the atmosphere and everything like that. So right. Um, there's something actually about having your own team to support that actually kind of brings the camaraderie between like people and that makes it more enjoyable to watch. Now, how do you overcome that? I don't know, but I mean, you could actually, you could obviously start off small. I mean, um, it's, it would take a, it would definitely take like a bigger culture shift uh, when you talk about like finding finding NBA players that are willing to finding out how they can represent a certain country. I don't know, maybe maybe it's like you only get like certain the best players from that country like actually represent a team or something like that. And they may have an NBA team or like having a having like a like an actual uh NBA based team in in Jamaica or like in Kingston, Jamaica or like uh Mexico City, Puerto Rico. I think there's lots of opportunity out there that's not taken um, taking um, taking advantage of, um, and that's at that point too. I think you can structure the league in a way to kind of like accommodate. Maybe you play the game and like you have like stacks of twenty game uh, twenty game segments, and then there's like a two week two or three week break in between in between different parts of the season. But, or, I mean, we've already seen that, uh, you know, you could do like a, a bubble type of situation when it comes to the playoffs. Like all the, all the, all the teams like actually come to a central location and actually play like a playoff series. And like, um, I mean, the duration of the playoffs is played in like one single location, something like that. So I think there's definitely ways that, that it can be done, but you know, I think it just it takes a lot a lot more buy-in from uh, NBA players and and whatnot. But I think that's that's the way I see it going. Because let's be honest, like what? How much more expansion can the NBA? How much how much more market share can the NBA gain in uh, in America? Football is always going to be the top American sport. There's no way the NBA is going to overcome the NFL. So I think in order to overcome that, you have to start thinking like, which I think the NBA already has, you have to start thinking outside of uh, the U.S. And I don't know. I just, I just think the NBA is never going to be as, as big as uh, football, especially like Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> NBA Finals is not going to be able to compete with that on any type of level whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So... That's that's what that's just my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those those are all good points. I I had a little bit of overlap. I didn't think about the All Star Game and playoff for, format adjustments. I don't see the season length changing 
anytime soon. I, I do. If it does, it will be a long-term thing because I think the league is going to want to recoup some of the money that they lost off of COVID going to last season and the 10 game break from this season, 10 game less this season. So that might be more of a long-term, but I think, you know, there's been rumors about the all-star game, you know, being looked at uh, and perhaps leveraging some of the things they do have in a different way, uh, making the division play a little bit more competitive. Cause I think in the NFL part of people hanging on to every game is that when the Seahawks play the Cardinals, there's a, there's a true meaning behind that. And being a division, cause only a certain amount of teams in that, you know, you're only going to get some of those guys carry more weight than when Detroit plays Chicago, right? They're in the same division that's within the same conference, but there's really no, not a lot of juice that comes with that. All-star game format, I see them playing with it a little bit, uh, perhaps making some of those aspects a little bit more global uh, when travel restrictions are lifted, being able to have uh, international players participate in some of the festivities before they're in the NBA. Uh, Because I look at it in terms of the NBA can't abandon what got them here in the first place we got them into this global game position and that's exposure in other countries and being able to travel over there and do things. The NFL Mm -hmm. has been doing that playing games here and there in London and Mexico city and trying to build fan bases there. I see the NBA wanting to do that where they're actually playing games over there though, like games that count, not preseason stuff, but games that actually count uh, in different cities because now, if I'm trying to get your players, and to Coach Natty T's point, if I'm having people in America look at people overseas that are playing for these teams that could be eventually be in the NBA, I want to do the same thing overseas. I want to be able to pull them in to see, hey, your player that represents your country right now that's going to be entering the NBA can play for one of these franchises and build up some, some loyalty there. That way, they are following the person from start to finish in their career. Mm-hmm. And you're building a little bit more of a, a, a loyalty of leverage in doing so. Uh, expansion teams, you know, there, there's always been rumors about that for at least the last 10 years of having some more expansion teams there. I see at least one of them being located outside of the United States. I think because of proximity that it's going to have to be still in North America. Uh, but I can see them expanding to a, a Vancouver or Mexico City just to kind of broaden that up. Uh, and then... I also put uh, women in coaching positions going off of our conversation last week. I think the NBA is, try to, is trying to make it its staple as the, the woke league. And if you're going to do that, then you got to make sure that you are making decisions before other sports really do and catch on uh, because then you're going to find yourself behind the curve. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that, you've kind of set yourself up where you have room uh, and the, the internal talent already to be able to have women in head coaching positions. Right now, I don't see that having in the foreseeable future for the NFL. You know, we have the GM for the Miami Marlins. Uh, so that's, but that's, you know, that's baseball. But if you're just talking about football and basketball, top two sports, I think the NBA is going to have to make that move first to be able to do that. So I see that as, the, as a, a near future culture shift in the NBA, which I think is going to help bring in even more female fans to the game 
and I don't know what kind of effect that's going to have on the WNBA, though. I was thinking maybe it, it could have a, a positive or a negative effect, positive perhaps, by looking at uh, talent shared between the leagues and, and having like now this pool of where I can coach in the WNBA, but if I want to, then I can have somewhere to go. If I want to go to the NBA, there's been some pathways set before me that I could do that, you know, because with men, they could jump to the NBA, to WNBA, to college to go, you know, they have more of a fluid career path that they can choose if they want it. And women don't have that right now. So the NBA being able to do that on both the college and the professional levels actually would be very, very, very cool to see because I could see the NCAA following suit afterwards. And so making that NBA as the, the leader of that, um, I can see that happening in the, in the near future. So those were, those were my, my culture shifts. Yeah. It, it's tough to say because so much has already been done and there's, to your point, uh, Coach Natty T, I, I do see ownership saying, okay, we need we need to uh, slow this down a little bit. We don't necessarily have to go all the way back to where we were, but we need to get better than where we are right now. They're setting it up. They, yeah. You tell. Because the NBA is losing loyalty for the teams. And and now it's like if players and are kind viewership of – viewership is down. And viewership just, is down. It's just – that's what it is. Viewership's down. Yeah. So interesting stuff going on. Our last topic, uh, based on Draymond Green, said, you know, for, for those of you who've probably been watching, you have Draymond Green talking about how there's a double standard when teams want to get rid of a player and they publicly acknowledge that they are willing to trade this player for whatever. But then when a player says, hey, I would like to be traded, then all of a sudden he's not a team player. Uh, he's a cancer to the team. And even and, and if people try to contact him too early, and all of a sudden there's rules and people are getting fined for saying certain things that will maybe lead them to their team. But all this time, the teams are already talking behind the scenes. So it's okay for the players to be able to, uh, the teams for be able to talk behind the scenes, but the players can't talk and publicly, and the players can't talk to get, the, or else they'll get fined by the league to be able to do that. Uh, and, and so with that, we thought it would be great to uh, to cover some of our thoughts on that, the double standard <laughs> that's in the, me- in, the, in the sports media. Uh, so we'll start with you, uh, Coach K. What are your thoughts about what Draymond had to say and then the, the double standards that you're seeing in the sports and media? I almost have to agree with the um, – I actually agree a lot with what Draymond said. Um, I think that there's definitely a way to go about it. Um, I don't I don't necessarily – and when I, what I mean by that is, like, I don't necessarily agree with the way that James Harden <laughs> went, went about doing that because, really, he just – and that, at that point, I think he was just, like, you know – a cancer to the team, but I don't really think it's fair. I think um, kind of like what he was saying, especially about with Andre Drummond, like mm-hmm. having to sit on the bench and, you know, in street clothes because 
they didn't want him to get hurt because they didn't want his I mean and just in case like he gets hurt. I mean obviously that devalues you know his worth um as far as like trying to get him traded. Um I think that I think that if that happens, I almost think that the, the team should be penalized in some sort of way. Like they should actually uh, they should have for if a if a if a player doesn't want to sit and the team actually makes them sit, they should I don't know, get like uh, double what they would make that game or something, something uh, mm-hmm. to kind of incentivize like um, the uh, incentivize the, um, you know, the team actually not to do that because I don't think that's fair to the players, especially if they want to actually, if especially if they want to actually showcase, you know, like what they, um, you know, uh, what they can do or if they just have a desire to play. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, I think – and here's where it's kind of tough, too, because with the, with the way the league's changed, like, uh, players have definitely opened themselves up to uh, more criticism just based on, like, you know, how we've seen, you know, uh, Kobe and – I mean, uh, not Kobe, but, like um, – the formation of super teams and uh, different things like that. So I think, I think um, like, well, for instance, Katie going to. Um, Brooklyn. Golden yeah. State. Katie going to Brooklyn, Golden State. He definitely opened himself up to more criticism in that respect, but I don't think that. I don't think that um, the uh, the ownership or the team like gets um, gets the right amount of um, or the organization. I'll say uh, they don't get enough of the blame too if they can't figure out how to use a player. I mean, because you've seen a lot of talented players that <clears throat> uh, basically won out. I mean, I don't fault LeBron James for uh, you know for going to Miami like. Um, right. I don't fault KD for leaving OKC. I do fault him. I thought he was a punk for going to Golden State, going to the team that actually, you know, beat you. But, you know, at the same time, it's like um, if a player wants out, I don't – I think that they should be able to freely express, like, um, you know, this – the team that I'm on sucks right now. They haven't been able to – uh I figure out how to put me in the right position to actually be successful. Mm-hmm. Okay, Coach Ninety, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, <laughs> you know me. I will go <laughs> a few, we'll go a few angles on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so just on principle, what he said, I agree with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think he was, you know, specifically talking to the media and to the fans. And with, you know, even LeBron co-signing what he was saying with regards to, you know, he's just bringing to it because what did LeBron say? He basically said, yeah, he's just trying to show two sides of the coin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and I agree. And, and I think, uh, you know, what he said, I agree with on principle. Mm-hmm. However, if I, if I dig a little deeper. Uh-oh. Um, 
there's a lot to unpack in what he said. And part of me, and I may be overreaching here, I think part of me thinks he wasn't only speaking to the fans and to the media. I think he's speaking to his fellow NBA players. Mm-hmm. As I talked about a little bit in the last question, there's the new CBA comes up in a few seasons. And with everything that he said, although I agree with, those things are in the collective bargaining agreement. So to your point, JP, Coach JP3, when you know a player announces they want to be traded in the midst of their contract and they get fined, they agreed to that in the last CBA. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I yeah, does that suck? But you y'all agreed to it, right? <laughs> so if that's something that really bothers you on the next one, you guys need to save your money and put that as a clause in the agreement to say if we want to say if we want to announce that we want to be traded, we shouldn't be fine. So I think a lot of some of those things is what he's saying. And again, I, I may be overreaching. I think he's talking to his fellow NBA players because overall in sports, I mean, in general, the NBA players are probably one of the better treated, you know, group oh, of for sure. in professional sports. For sure. So to, you know, well, I'll say that for the record, but Again, I mean, a lot of the things that he said is in the collective bargaining agreement that they agreed to, right? So, if you're if if you're going to say those things, when when the time comes to fight for those items that you want, mm-hmm. you guys should be willing to do what you need to do, sit out, save your money, have a fund or whatever to help out, you know, all the guys that aren't making LeBron James money, a billion dollars. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Have, have these things in place. So the next time these negotiations come up with the owners, you're not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the, at the beginning, like, yeah, we're going to hold out. But then after a while, you know, your baby mama's is calling mm-hmm. the little side chicks is calling your car notes up, you know, your car leases up, your house notes up, and you're like, oh, dang, where do I sign? <laughs> and you're not reading, and you're not reading the fine print. So, uh, you know, uh, again, like, I, I agree with what he said, but at the same time, I think they, they need to kind of put their money where their mouth is a little bit. Because mm-hmm. even in to be totally honest with the with the Andre Drummond situation, I have no problems with what Cleveland did because based on what was reported, they had a conversation, Andre Drummond and the Cavs. Andre Drummond's like, you know what? It's not working out. Mm. Cleveland said, okay, we'll see if we can get you traded or we'll see if we can work out a buyout. Take a few nights off. He's still getting paid. Like, if that was me, like, I wouldn't mind it. You're still going to pay me? Mm -hmm. And at the end, you're going to trade me to a better team in a better situation? And I'm saving my body in the process from unnecessary harm. 
I don't think that's that bad of a situation. Mm-hmm. Now, to Draymond's point, from the media perspective, they're going to say, oh, oh, why is he sitting out? Blah, 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 blah. So I, I agree with that. There's, right. They should be... Well, <coughs> excuse me, but not they should be. Part of it is... <coughs> excuse me again. Part of it is double standard sell. It's not... <laughs> It's not popular just to report normal things all the time. And even just the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, the, you know, the first takes, the Shannon Sharps, the Skip Baylesses, the Nick Wrights, they can't just talk just normal positivity all the time. There has to be a double standard narrative because that's what sells. Mm Mm-hmm. This leads to my third point. Part of the responsibility is on us as fans and consumers to be smarter than that, Mm. right? Because when the media reports these double standards, we eat it up because you still have, you still have that group of people out there that are like, oh yeah, yeah, but these guys are making too much money. What are you complaining about? Mm -hmm. You still have those people that think like that and you need to be smarter than that. Because it's no different than you when you're tired of going to work or something happened at work and you're sick and tired of working for that company and then you put your resume out there on LinkedIn or mm-hmm. somebody contacts you and then you do an interview and then you go to a new company and you make more money. Mm-hmm. It's no different. Obviously, we're talking about billionaires and millionaires here. So I get it in the context of the real world that we're in, right? And you're playing a game. So I understand the contrast there of normal people. We work for a living. So you feel like, oh, well, they got, they're just playing a game. So why are they complaining? But in the context, it's the same thing. That's, that's their job. The principles I, remain the same. The principles remain the same. Like you, they, they shouldn't be vilified for, hey, I'm requesting a trade because it's just not working out. I want to go to a better situation. There's no problem with that. And again, to Coach K's point, <laughs> would I have done it the way James Harden did it? Probably not. Yeah, I'm right. not, advocate, not advocating for that. I'm not advocating you wearing a fat suit to work. Going to right? the club. Or to the club. <laughs> right. So I'm not advocating you doing that. But recognize, like, it's no different. It's a place of employment. It's no different than anywhere else on principle. Things aren't working out. I'm just like, hey, I want to go to a different place. Like that, there's no problem with that. Because mm-hmm. because teams they look to trade people while they're under contract all the time. So if somebody wants to leave, there's no problem with that. Yeah. But again, to go to the player side, if it does bother you guys that much, y'all better not sign that agreement two days mm-hmm. in. <laughs> you better have a plan. And, and strategically figure out how you want to get what you want to get in this next collective bargaining agreement. Because for Dagon Shore, these owners are, are setting it up real nice right now for them. So I hope y'all doing the same thing on your side. So I think that's what that's partially what Draymond was talking to with his with his fellow NBA players. He's like, look, fellas, we need to like things are good. 
there are some things that we don't like. So those things that we don't like, we better be prepared to take it to task. Because if we don't, these owners are going to take us to task. So building off of our last time about the succession plan for the Players Association, mm-hmm. do you feel that Draymond Green would be a good fit for that? I think he would, but problem is he's going to be older too by that time. Because mm. he's, how old is he? Is he, what, he's 30? Well, let me look it up. Draymond, Draymond Green. How is Draymond? Because I think he's, I think he's 30. So yeah, I guess he, Draymond. How old is Draymond? Where you at, Draymond? Yeah, he's 30. So yeah. Yeah, 33 is not bad, right? He'll be 33. It's not bad. I mean, he'll be, yeah. I mean, he could be a good a potential candidate for that. Um yeah, I mean, I could, I could see that. Because I see what he's doing right now, and I don't know if this is intentional, but I think it, at the very least, is a, a positive ramification for what he's doing, is that he is exercising a bold voice to empower others and to galvanize others. And I thought it was interesting that on LeBron's first episode of The Shop, who was the other major NBA player that was there? Draymond Green. And though they have these on the court battles, they have a respect for each other off the court. Well, he signed the clutch sports. So and he, he signed he the clutch sports. Yeah. So there, there is a connection point there. Uh, and so there's no evidence that previous conversations I've heard for the succession plan. Uh, but Draymond's also on TV and is actually a pretty good analyst during the mm-hmm. halftime breaks. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't mind seeing Draymond in this role. I think he has a career with this after after it's said and done. His basketball time is over. But it's also helping to galvanize the power of his voice. Mm-hmm. And so he might be one of the people that's perfectly positioned to where he has enough respect around the league to be able to be in that position. And he has enough people that will listen to him to take his point seriously because mm-hmm. he's proven that he knows what he's talking about. Uh, and, you know, that's a look that a lot of people haven't talked about is that that CBA, you know, thing. so I'm glad that you brought that out. That hasn't yeah, been a, talked it's about. A, really. It's a real, it's a real thing. Because people <laughs> just keep talking about media and Draymond, right. media and players, and not right. really what's happening in the, in the actual league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's, you know, anxious to see how that unfolds and we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with the next uh, collective bargaining agreement. Uh, but but definitely there is a double standard present. And, and like others have said, I don't, I don't think everyone has gone about it the right way. I don't mind LeBron going to Miami. Not, I don't really care for the way he did it because I felt that he also kept the Cavs hostage in the process because they, were, they picked out a coach for him and they were going to try to move pieces around him. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm uh, at the 11th hour. He said, I'm going. And so then you've already made some, some personnel changes. And I don't think that's right. But even with that, he... He was a free agent. He fulfilled his whole contract. So really, he doesn't owe him anything at that point. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. So that from that point, like with the fans, like, I mean, I understand the frustration, but like, you can't be mad at somebody for fulfilling their contract and then taking mm-hmm. the time to evaluate where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Same with KD. Like he, he was a free agent. Like, right. right. I don't like where he went, but <laughs> I like where it's, he his, went, it's like, his career. He, you he can't really get wants. mad for him for leaving. Like he filled his contract and then he went to somewhere else. Like it's not, again, it's not like he 
did what James Harden did. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was definitely wrong. Yeah. And, and so what I said about LeBron, I don't think what he did was wrong. I just no. personally would have done it a different way. Personally, yeah. that's just me. Yeah. But yeah. like James Harden, I thought that was wrong. Kyrie Irving not communicating with his franchise when he wanted to take his <laughs> mental health break. I'm all for mental health breaks, but yeah. communicate to your daggone employer. Like, <laughs> that's all you got to say. That's all you got to do. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Man. I, don't know. I guess. I guess maybe I shouldn't – maybe I should feel a certain way. I mean, obviously, I don't agree with James Harden, but I still don't see anything wrong with what Kyrie did. So, you, maybe so you're – so, I'm just saying, if you're – I'm just asking. Maybe I have a double standard. Maybe. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, maybe but not. you – say say you're you're the Nets brass, right, and then Kyrie just mm-hmm. doesn't show up. You ain't talk to him. Like, you hear from mm-hmm. other players, another grown man. Can't come to tell you to say, "Hey, I need a mental health break." You actually okay with that? Look, they're winning games right now. No, I mean, that's true. That's true. I mean, you think about it too. Like, uh, they they let LeBron kind of like run the show, do whatever he wanted when he came back to Cleveland. They they at least got a championship out of that. Yeah. He took two weeks off too. He did now, but yeah. he told the organization he what he was told doing. Him. Yeah, the Cavs knew what he was doing though. Um, okay, you're about to get fired from your job after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Like he at least said, "Yo, I need two weeks, y'all. Like I'm gonna be in Miami." Okay. But, <laughs> there wasn't I no mean, like, "Yo, where, where LeBron at?" I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean you don't know where he is? Yeah, but I don't know. I mean. We're we're in special circumstances right now, yeah. but I'm not I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I mean, obviously, like did I mean did the Nets didn't really came out come out and say that they had a problem with it though? No, after the fact, once they actually figured out where he was and once they talked to him, mm-hmm. but best believe behind the scenes. That was like a duck floating on water. Because even with that, because again, I think because you have to go back to the beginning because this it was a week before the whole uh, uh, January fifth situation happened. Mm-hmm. That's that's where it started because they act they asked Steve Nash straight up. He was like, "Oh, you know, we heard Kyrie wasn't going to be." He was like, "Yeah, I don't know where Kyrie is." Just his reaction and how he answered. Mm-hmm. That was a legitimate reaction. Yeah, they asked the GM. They're like. Yeah, we heard this morning some of the players told us that, you know, Kyrie wasn't going to be here. So, you know where he is? It's like, we're not exactly sure right now, but, you know, we'll gather some information and get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they said. That's what they said. Okay, we're going to try to text him again and see if he's Right, right. And then they had like a three, they had like a three game layoff and then they talked to him again. And then they said, oh, yeah, well, we've spoken to Kyrie. You know, we'll let him, and that's when they said, oh, yeah, you know, we'll let him explain himself when he comes back. We've been in communication with him. We're okay with it. But the initial Mm -hmm. game where he didn't show up, he didn't tell anybody. He told KD, I think he told DeAndre Jordan, because he's he's the two tightest with them on the team at the time. Mm -hmm. And then they told everybody, like, yeah, Kyrie ain't showing up today. They're like, okay. That's what I'm saying. That's what happened initially. But, but I mean, you look at what happened though while they were out. I mean, while they were out, they, I mean, they kind of, I feel like the, the team kind of covered their bases. 
they went and snatched up James Harden. Yep. So, Look at him now. So your ends justifies the means. The ends justifies the means situation. on this okay. in this situation. Yeah. So for all yeah. of our listeners out there, if anyone's hiring, Coach K is probably gonna need a job <laughs> after this episode. No, I got a good job. I got a good now, job. Yeah, you, you have a good job. You, you're definitely nobody. But nobody knows about this podcast. So, and actually, and honestly, in, overall, I agree with you, Coach K. I just, again, just on principle, just on principle, yeah. Just, just say, hey, man, I need a mental health break. That's it. That's it. That's all I'm saying. That's the only thing I would have yeah. a problem with, even if I was his teammate, and I'm, and my name ain't Kevin Durant and DeAndre Jordan. I'm on the team. I'd have been like, oh, you mean he's not playing today? Oh, okay. Because I mean, listen, we all have issues. We all have situations going on. Like, shoot, I don't let him take a mental health break and just not show up to work for two weeks yeah. right now. Yeah. But I'm about <laughs> to do that next week. Did you know what I'm saying? And not tell nobody. And I'm getting paid. And I can just come back. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I'm it comes. Do that. No, it comes with a caveat though. Like, they have to. They have to get a championship. Well. When it's all said and done, they have to get a championship. And if so, all is forgiven because winning, yeah. winning heals, and it solves <laughs> things it much quicker. Yeah, yeah. Well, another great. No, you're episode. right. You're right. I mean, you're 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 playing you're playing a high stakes game, and the Clippers found that out last year and yep. lost. Well, lost. I mean, <laughs> we're talking we're talking we're talking about pandemic P though, like Paul George. I have. I have more faith in me playing basketball than that man playing in the playoffs. <laughs> True, but again, when you go on, when you go on wanting to show up to the airport when you want to and do this when you want and have your own special trainer when you want. Mm-hmm. As to your point, y'all better y'all better give me a championship. If you I don't, mean, then, yeah, what, there's some changes I, that need to be happening. What what I've been seeing in these <laughs> games, so when it's time to turn it on, it they get the job done. I mean, they're yeah, they, so far, they, yes, they're top in the east. So, yeah, so far, so far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another great show in the books, y'all. Rest in power to uh, Vincent Jackson. Can't, can't believe, you know, I heard yeah. that news. Yeah. Uh, it's had a lot of people passing. I know he's not the only one, but he was the one that's at the top mm-hmm. of my mind right now. So uh, mm-hmm. just really sad there. Uh, we're going to start a, a little new part here uh, as we end talking about who won the week. My winner this week is Fernando Tatis Jr. 14 year, $340 million extension with the Padres. Oh yeah, absolutely. Fernando won the week, he won the month, he won the year, and he might have went 14 year, he definitely won the decade. So, you know, big yeah. ups to them. You know, baseball is one of the, I, you know, I was talking to some some um, other friends and they were like, man, we should have we played ba- uh, baseball instead of basketball. Right. <laughs> no, but <laughs> even, but real quick though, that kind of going back to our CBA NBA conversation. Mm-hmm. The MLB players they locked down for a whole year. What was that? Nineteen ninety five. There was no World Series that year. Mm-hmm. Now you start to see, you start to see these type of contracts, right? Mm-hmm. That's a perfect example. There it is. That's a direct result of them just being like, no. We're literally going to sit out the whole year so you give us what you want. Right. right. Man, I would find so a saying. job. Yeah. All you got to do is just find a job, work remote. Be good. There it yeah. is. There it is. Yeah. There it is. So that's an example right there. 
That is a perfect example right there. All right. Well, that's it. On behalf of Coach Natty T and Coach K, I'm your host, Coach JP3. Thank you for stepping into a coach's box. Talk to y'all next week. Peace. Peace, peace.